In the New Testament Bible, we have several warnings concerning false ministers and false individuals that come into the churches. Jesus warned us about the last days when false ministers and false Christians would come in his name deceiving many. Matthew 24. Start at verse 3. And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. We have several emails that come to us from men all over the world saying they are ministers. Sometimes they will say something that I feel excited about. But as you continue to read their email, usually they quickly identify who they really are by what they say and what they do. So if we pay attention, usually we can see the ones who deceive the church. I have often attempted to find a church that I could attend, only to find the pastor perverting scripture, teaching things that aren't even in the Bible, and even in one case, causing the men in the congregation to be lascivious by what that pastor said to them. When I have called the pastor the day after the service, I've had two pastors say the identical same thing to me when I've asked them where that was in the Bible that they spoke the previous day to the congregation. I've had two pastors say the same thing to me. I can't remember. And when I ask each of those two pastors to please look it up and tell the secretary where it was and have her call me and tell me where it was. Both of them grew very silent and both of them said the identical thing to me. On the phone, they showed their anger and they said, all right, it's not in the Bible. They showed the real spirit by which they operate. These are just two of the examples of many that I have come across in the churches. Many ministers and many individuals who show they do not love the Word of God, that they do not delight in the Word of God, and they don't understand when I say something to them that God has done in my life. They go stone-cold dead and they show no delight over the Word of God.
By this we recognize these are ministers of Antichrist. Paul calls them ministers of Satan. Paul says they're angels of light. They come to us as light, but they're really ministers of Satan. 2 Corinthians 11, start at verse 2. Paul says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might bear well, well bear with him. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. They desire an occasion to give their opinion to us, and their opinion differs from what we know in the New Testament Bible. Paul says in verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Then the Apostle Peter says to us in Second Peter chapter 2, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. They deny the Lord by bringing doctrines contrary to that which Jesus spoke to us. In Mark chapter 10, if we look at that, for a moment. The Pharisees came to Jesus asking him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And Jesus answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, 
Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife? And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. At one point, I attended a church in Dallas where our Sunday school teacher, a divorced man, would use that verse 9 and corrupt it. Verse 9 says, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And he would say jokingly, But there are many marriages where God did not join them together. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 explained that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. It's interesting because we don't have any example of marriage ceremonies in the Bible to go by. But when they brought Abraham's son, Isaac, his wife, it says he went into the tent and took her as his wife. And he was comforted at the death of his mother, Sarah. We see that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two become one flesh. This Bible teacher in the church I was attending loved to say, but some were never joined together by God anyway. He says that to try to approve himself a divorced man. And he would laugh after he said that. This is an example of Antichrist teaching in the churches. For this man from time to time would say things opposite to those words Jesus spoke denying Jesus. For Jesus said, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. So these Antichrist people come to us saying they are of God, saying they are ministers, or saying they are Christians. But they speak something from time to time that's opposite from the Bible. And when we bring correction, they do not repent, nor are they ashamed. That is a strong sign of Antichrist. No shame for what they have done to the word of God. For they are Antichrist, ministers of Satan. In Second Peter chapter 2, Peter says to us, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord, the word of God, that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. I've had so many emails from men all over the world who said they are ministers, they are pastors. They come usually with feigned words, and they start out by saying how much the writings that I do mean to them and how wonderful the writings are and how much they appreciate the writings. Within a very short time, usually in their first email, they say what they're really after. Often they will say, We need a computer so we can teach our church group. Send us a computer. One of them wanted us to send him a computer and send him a camera. And I wrote to him and said, I see absolutely no use for a camera in the church unless you are wanting to deceive people by showing starving children or something. Through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots are they and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sins, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. To one of the last men who wrote to me saying he was a pastor, he's in the Philippines, I told him when he began asking me to send him a computer and send him a projector and give me this, give me that, I said to him, I see you as a beggar, a thief, and an extortioner. And if you continue to go this way, you will always be a beggar, a thief, and an extortioner. Instead of seeing Jesus as their provision, they see you as their provision. They see me as their provision. They come to us pretending one thing, but they really want our money or things that we can send them. So Peter tells us, They have forsaken the right way and have gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, 
who loved the way of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice pervaded the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water. A well without water offers promise of something, but it's dry. They are clouds that are carried with the tempest and to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. That's verse 17, 2 Peter 2, 17. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them that live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. For if they after have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's in Second Peter chapter 2. In Matthew 23, Jesus, speaking to the people concerning the scribes and Pharisees, said, Verse 4, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. One after another of these so-called pastors have written to me saying, we want you to come and speak to our church. We want you to come and speak to our ministers. Never once has any one of them ever said, we will pay your expenses from the United States to Africa or India or the Philippines. They place heavy burdens upon us Send us your money. Send us Bibles to give out to our meetings. Send us Bibles for our churches. Have you ever tried to send a book to a foreign country? We have. We did it once. God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. One man asked us for something and I sent him a book. Pam said it was so difficult to send that one book through customs because it was one paper after another that she had to fill out just to send the one book. 
and they want us to send them Bibles for their whole congregation or for everyone who comes to their meetings. I've had them ask me that. Jesus said they would do this. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They won't help at all. I had a, an email recently from a man who said he is an electrician by trade. He was in uh, someplace, I think, in Africa. And he's an electrician. Well, he probably makes some money as an electrician. But he asked me to send Bibles to everyone in his teenage class. Why didn't he save a portion of his money as being an electrician and pay for those Bibles? When he asked me that question, this verse in Matthew 23, 4 was brought to my memory by the Holy Spirit to show me the truth. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them upon men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. In verse 5, as Jesus spoke of the scribes and Pharisees, but all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love to be seen in religious garments. We don't have any description in the New Testament of a religious garment. Ministers carry inside them the word of God. They don't wear medallions around their neck or hats on their head or scarves around their neck to show they are a minister. We know they are a minister by that which they speak, which we who are of God recognize as being of God when it is of God. Jesus says they love the uppermost greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even God, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. In this pastor from the Philippines who wrote to me, in November or December of 2020, the things he wrote sounded good. And at the end of his writing, he even had an outline of what he was going to teach at his church on the next uh, time they met. I read his outline and it all sounded wonderful. It wasn't until later I realized this was probably another man's outline and not this man's because this man, when I would talk to him, he was so confused about even the smallest things. On his email, I got to the bottom of the email and he signed his name, Reverend so-and-so. I immediately wrote him and said, you shouldn't do this. Only God's name is Reverend. 
There is no example in Bible of any man calling himself reverend. That's how we know what to do is by the Bible. Paul called himself an apostle and teacher. That's because in Ephesians chapter 4, we read that Jesus gave to the church after he was resurrected. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It is proper to identify yourself by the calling, such as pastor, which this man did in his first email to me. First sentence, he identified himself as being a pastor. That's totally proper. It is totally proper if you are called as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. If you call yourself an archbishop, that is not proper. That is not used in the Bible. If you call yourself Pope, that is not proper. It is not in the Bible to do that. That's all made up by men to honor men. But it is totally proper for him to call himself a pastor. But it is improper to call himself reverend. And they love today to call themselves reverend. And the people in their congregations love to call them reverend. But it's not in the Bible to do this. As I was considering why this man allowed them to call himself reverend, God reminded me that I didn't allow this to happen. The first time anybody ever tried to call me reverend, this woman came to me and she said, what do we call you, reverend? And I said, oh, no. I was shocked by the idea. I was horrified. I, was, I thought it was abominable. Now, why did I know not to allow this to happen? Well, because I'm of God and have the Holy Spirit in me, and I know the Bible that Paul called himself apostle, which is proper, but no man called himself reverend. They do this because they want to be praised by men. And men want to praise their pastors. But it is an abomination. Continuing in Matthew 23, Jesus said, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass land and sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. 
Jesus spoke more words in Matthew 23 concerning what they do, if you care to read those. In the book of Jude, starting at verse 3, Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, though they say Jesus is Lord. Now this lasciviousness is what I witnessed in that small non-denominational church that I attended years ago when I was hunting a church to attend. Pastor was teaching from John 8 concerning the woman taken in adultery. And the pastor said, And when she was brought to Jesus, she was naked from the waist up. That's not in the Bible at all. He just added that to tickle the ears of the men in the congregation, to excite people. A fleshly lust was conjured by that pastor. I looked around at the faces of the people in the congregation, and I saw men with very lascivious grins on their faces as they imagined this woman naked from the waist up. I didn't see one person in the congregation take a Bible and read John chapter 8. I did have my Bible with me, and I did take it and reread John chapter 8, though I knew that wasn't in John chapter 8, what that pastor said. Reading once again Jude verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And they do it while they're saying Jesus is Lord. They deny Jesus as they add to the word of God corrupting the word of God, exciting people in their congregations by their words, which are not in the Bible. Jude says in verse 12, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, they have no fear of God. They have no fear of the scriptures. There is no fear of the way they handle the scriptures. Clouds, they are without water. They're like clouds that look like it's going to rain, but then nothing happens. There is an image that something's going to happen, but nothing happens that's of God. God gave me a dream where I went into a very large church building, 
and it was filled with people. I went upstairs to the balcony, and one seat was left in the balcony. I sat down in that one seat to listen to the service, and the woman in front of me turned around and said, you can't see much from that seat. And I said, oh, there's never much to see at these places anyhow. Now, sadly, that is true because they become a performance. Paul said, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an exhortation, that all things be done unto edifying. The Holy Spirit was supposed to be free to speak in the congregation, in the gathering of the church, through whom he willed. But man changed that. So really, there aren't much things, much to see in these things, though they promise a great deal. And they do great study so that they can present words that entice the listeners, clever words. Paul said he didn't do that type of thing. He said he determined not to know anything but Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But he said there are some that are going to tell clever sayings to entice you, but not in a godly way. Jude says their raging ways of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers, that would be imitators, copiers, in the last days who walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves to the church. Sensual, says Jude, having not the Spirit. And Paul describes him in 2 Timothy 3. Verse 1, Paul says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times will come. Paul speaking of the churches when he talks about this, because in verse 5, Paul says, They will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. They will read scripture, but they don't live by that scripture. And some scriptures they explain away and will not even allow them to rule in the church. Paul said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And Jesus said concerning the last days, Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, and I believe that means for the word of God, shall wax cold. 
because of the iniquity around you. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. It's God who has taught us the things of God. He's brought it to our mind and planted it in our heart and then given us the Holy Scriptures to confirm his word to us. And Paul says to Timothy, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Second Corinthians 2.17, Paul says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. We see by this scripture that many were deceitful in their presentations of the word of God in the days of the apostle Paul. And Paul told us it would get worse in the days before Jesus returns. And Jesus told us the same thing. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saith Jesus, and shall deceive many. So we have ample warnings in the Bible concerning the churches, the ministers, the individuals in the churches. And we are told when we see it, turn away from them. This is Joan Boney speaking. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.